4: Hello and welcome back to the Oak Road Hatter podcast. I am Billy Mully, and today I'm joined by Stephen Day and Dylan Bundia. Lads, how are you getting on? Again, we're recording on a very, very hot day. We can't miss them at the moment.
0: Yeah, all right, mate. Uh, tired, but yeah, no, decent, decent. Always love talking about the hats, so um, yeah, all good. Yeah,
4: not doing too bad. How are you? Not too bad, mate, not too bad. Um, I was just saying before, I've had my holiday now, so I'm, I'm looking ahead and I need to catch up with a lot of work. So it's going to be um, a heavy few weeks, but with Luton playing three times a week, it's going to sure get me through. As I just said there, it's the return of three-game weeks. Nathan Jones is favourite. He he loves to um, mention them in interviews, shall we say, the three-game weeks, and we did get a bit of success um, later on last season with the free game weeks. I think we, we f- found a way to start solving it and um, I think we got a couple of nine points from three-game weeks, which um, is not usually in the script with Luton Town. Tonight, we are going to go back through Burnley away, a valuable point picked up in what was Vincent Company's first game at Turf Moor, stunned them in the first 15 minutes before Burnley started to regain a bit more possession but a very organised display helped us pick up a point. We will have to go through last night's 3-2 defeat to Newport County. Of course, very disjointed, a lot of players playing out of position. A few good parts, but largely an underwhelming evening, I think most would agree. Then we'll go on to Preston at home as we return to league action against a club that we saw great success against last year at home. So hopefully it may follow suit first of all we will talk burnley i think i mentioned it at the start dylan organized resolute resilient but also bright moments going forward um, i think energy uh, sort of the, the final third luke freeman again looking a very creative option passing through the thirds at times but also going a little bit more direct varying our, our sort of attacking play um, there's a lot of positives again to take from that.
0: Oh, loads, loads, and I think you know, look, Burnley have, There's been big squad churn, and and for all the talk, you know, they've changed style massively, and and you know, completely gone from one end to the other of you know, well, literally gone from the playing style of one end to the other under Deitch and now Company's got them playing like three diamond three, and it was always going to be a really tactically interesting game because we know how we step onto teams, and we know how we press, and. And how would we come up against a team in Burnley's, in Vincent Company's Burnley, who, you know, there isn't loads of information out on them. You know, they've only had a game and then pre-season. So, yeah, it was always going to be a really, really interesting game. Uh, and I think we were fantastic. Um, out of possession, as you said, we were really, really good. And we, we got into moments where, you know what, as NJ as said, after the game, we, we should have been more clinical. And, and not just, no, not just, not clinical in, in our final action, but clinical in that first action. You know, we win that ball back and it's a 3v3, 4v3. Can we get that first pass right? And and a few times we didn't do that, especially in the first half. Um, but yeah, really good game. Um, delighted with the point. Uh, you go away to the next Premier League side, get a point. Fantastic result. Um, they got a, very, a lot of very, very good players. And, and they posed us some tactical challenges that, that is very different to, to other teams that have, that we played against. So all in all, really, really happy. Really, really happy
4: and Steve and Dan Potts scores again. It's becoming a little bit of a theme that we are speaking about Dan Potts as a as a goal scorer, three goals if you include pre-season. He, he's on one, isn't he?
3: Look, it was a proper poach, poacher's fox in the box sort of uh, goal. So I'm um, I mean everyone's really happy with that because he was in the right place at the right time and, you know, showed like sort of the attacking prowess of a striker to to get that in. Didn't didn't give up once Freeman minute I say scuffed the shot I think it was blocked but I couldn't really tell but yeah I'm 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 really happy for him that he scored and he's you know he played brilliantly at the back so I'm I'm happy to see him in a new
4: position and playing really well. Yeah it's interesting because we won't go too much into Newport but naturally, you would have thought that last night would have been a game for Dan Potts to step into that left-sided centre-back role. Um, We didn't in the end, and it it sort of forced Lansbury to come into the role, and and we'll go on to that. But he's taking his chance at the moment at first-team level in the starting eleven. We spoke about it last week, so I won't go too much into it. But another really composed display defensively, in terms of his positioning, in terms of him dominating ground duels and aerial duels, it, it was a very commanded display from him. And also starting to, to bring the ball out better um, in terms of finding the, the sort of middle third as well. He's it, quite an impressive start from, from Dan Potts this season. And I think we sort of begged the question last week, can he maintain that throughout the season? Again, it's just another game, so it's hard to to really determine if he'll be able to maintain that for the season. But the signs are really, really promising with him. Yeah, I was say, he's yeah. given Lockyer a run for his money because... Um... Last night, obviously,
3: Lockie hasn't had as many minutes as Potts, but last night against Newport, I'd say Lockie was way off of it. He he got turned in inside out by Newport strikers and tackers, and his his um, ball playing ability wasn't great. It would often re- resorting to long balls, whereas you know you see Potts trying to find a a pass there. So he's definitely going to give um, the you know our more. Uh, I don't know how to say it, like the, the other defenders, a good run for their money at the uh, centre-back position.
4: It's also interesting in the fact that it became a bit of guessing work, but but a lot of us Luton fans thought that Amari Bell was going to try and slot into that left side, centre-back role. But again, a really, really strong performance from Bell in that, that left wing-back role. Potts playing very well in that left side, centre-back role. It's interesting to see if that, that sort of development that, that people have been expecting does take place. Will it take time? Or once Alfie Doughty's back, will that sort of pave the way for mari Bell to, to play more minutes in that left-sided centre-back role? Some some big questions at the moment, but at the same time, that there's also this possibility that we, we could bring in a left-sided centre-back and, and bolster competition levels even more. So...
0: It is, and I think I think as you said there, you know, a, a big reason for why we've gone with Potts and Bell is just doubt he's been injured, um, and so then a Bell naturally will go to left wing back, and then we have Potts as our left sided defender. But Potts never lets us down. You know, he, we say that you know he's taking his chance now. He took his chance last season. He was fantastic last season whenever he played, and and he's not flash. He's not going to do brilliant things like Naismith. Just does the basics well. Wins headers. One v one is comfortable defending in wide areas. Um, threat from set pieces, defends our own set pieces brilliantly. You know he just does his job brilliantly and and he's more than taking his chance. I think when Doughty's back, then yeah, you know what? that increases our options because we're going to need to rotate and belt and play left center back one hundred percent. So you know, I think we and we could definitely do with Doughty back just to give you know, then we've got three left side defenders for for do t- for two spots, which just helps ease the load of certain people. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it's really good. And, and you know what? As the weeks go by, is it a case of actually we, we just trust Dan Potts to do the job? And and if we're trying to push the boat out for someone or we're taking a risk on someone, is it worth it? Well, Dan Potts at the minute is saying, no, it isn't. I'm the man and I'm going to play left centre-back this season. So fair play to him. And it's keeping Lockyer out the side because we need to, you know, we have this big, big need to to balance that defence. Um, you know, I think Burke and Osho and, and Bradley are your your main centre halves at the minute, but the conundrum is we don't want Bradley playing left of the three a lot of the time. Um, so then, how do we get Bradley? And we, and Bradley's our best box defender; he defends the box better than anyone else in the squad. So how can we get Bradley in the side? Then Osho or Burke have got to take the right-sided spot, and there's an opening there. So um, yeah, good, good, good for him. But it's something. This isn't a surprise. He, he was doing it last year as well. He was excellent last year whenever he played.
4: And then going into the midfield, Clark and Campbell, was tenacious as ever, um, a completely different game for, for Clark, Stephen, in terms of what we were talking about Birmingham, how creative he was in terms of all action. But the majority of his game against Birmingham was on the ball and, and sort of splitting uh, passes through b- between the midfield and, and into that sort of corridor of uncertainty where the defenders don't know whether to, to come in and defend or if the midfielders drop back. It was a different game. He had to show his sort of defensive intelligence, his positioning. He um, was vocal from what I saw as well. So it just shows that, that Jordan Clark he's not just a attacking midfielder or a right winger who can do a job at central midfield. He, he's somebody that, that probably is better suited to that centre midfield role than, than anywhere else on the pitch.
3: Yeah, and I think it's it's testament to Jones as a manager to be able to get the best out of players even when they're playing out of their I guess you could say natural positions because Clark is doing really well at at, you know being a sort of like a bit of a terrier running at the ball and getting it back and you know being being a nightmare for uh, other players so yeah I think it's it shows that you know not that this is part of the question, but Jones is just a brilliant manager because he just gets the best out of players wherever they're on the pitch, really. Um, and I think they can buy into, like, they can, they can feel that he trusts them to do the job wherever they are on the pitch as well.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a really interesting kind of development as well with that, where we're kind of, you know, Clark is best as a number eight, playing a little bit wide, not, not wide wide, but playing like inside left, inside right, creating higher up the pitch. But I think it kind of indicates the lack of balance that we've got a little bit in that, in that midfield area where Lansbury's our only real build-up player. You know, Berry isn't a build-up player. Woodrow isn't a build-up player. Freeman isn't a build-up player. Um, you know, these guys are the guys we want higher up the pitch. And we've kind of put Clark in there. It's not his best position, but as Steven said, you know, he's doing a good job with it. Um, does it get the best out of him? No. Um, it gets You get the good things out of him, but I think he's, he's best in that 8 role, a bit higher and wider. Um, but yeah, you know, he, to go in at Burnley and play in that role and do well with it, brilliant, um, brilliant from N J.
4: And just a little bit
0: on Burnley because I
4: think we saw their quality um, shine through near at the end. They they gradually got better on the ball. I think um, first half they, well, first half of the first half they were sort of stunned. Luton really pegged them back. More direct we were than than um, well, kind of as direct as we were last season. Um, seeing a lot of success that way really silencing the crowd but then they, they managed to regain possession, it wasn't really hurting us but at the same time that they, they, it's what we expected from them um, they, they brought Benson on second half, he, he sort of had that attacking guile, he, he really wanted to carve through the defence he, he he's somebody that you can tell will have the ability to do that but we, we stood strong and I guess again it shows the kind of different ways we can play, different ways we can go and get a point or or three points in certain cases we'll we'll see this season. But you compare what we saw against Birmingham to to what we saw against Burnley and it's good to see that we're a side that can do things in different ways and and get decent results because I don't think we can stress it enough, a point away to Burnley, I, I know you can't really tell much at the moment, but I imagine will be a very good point come the end of the season. We'll also go on to what Vincent Company said as well, um, because you never really hear two kind words after um, after we play when Luton play. You typically hear managers um, not giving us as much credit as we deserve. I think we've spoken about that a few times on the pod that, that maybe our performances warranted a bit more praise from opposition managers. But of course, it's not the way football works. But Vincent Company was was very. Complimentary of us after the game, said that he expects us to be a playoff team. He, he sort of credited the way we came and played. Um, knew it was going to be difficult, but he sort of uh, credited the the way we broke out with pace, um, the way we defended. That's quite refreshing to hear from a from a player, well, a former player with, with sort of the, the history he's got, and you know, early on into his managerial career, you'd um, sort of be excused for. Not giving as much praise as, as other managers would, but hearing that from from Vincent Company, I'm sure that's a, a good thing to hear for, from us through.
0: Yeah, but who cares? Um, it doesn't doesn't affect what we do. Um, I think one of my personal favourites is when uh, the whole manager who got appointed last year, Shota shot a Avaladze, day, I probably said his name wrong, said uh, he described the way we played as uh, quite basic. Um, which I found quite funny, um, but but yeah, you know we it, whether managers like us, whether other teams like us is irrelevant. I thought it was hilarious as well that kind of we went to Burnley on Saturday and and didn't do a Burnley, but you know we had low possession, played quite direct, and and you know Burnley fans were, were coring every time their team were playing out from the back and and playing a diamond and a three, and yeah, so it's quite funny, quite a few funny narratives from from the game, but but yeah, you know I, mean, I think any manager would appreciate a team who's just finishing the playoffs playing the way we do Um, and we have good players so but at the end of the day I mean whether whether Vincent company likes us or not who who cares who likes us you know we're just going to try and win games so um, and and we love the way we play so yeah great great sound like a Millwall fan there no one likes us we don't care (laughs) I can assure you nothing like that but yeah, very different to to Millwall fans if, when they say that. Um, we, we, I mean, more on the pitch, yeah. and let's just leave it at that.
4: <laughs> we'll go on to Newport now. We'll have to to speak through it. Um, I guess it started quite brightly in terms of the, the chances we created, the way we were dominating the ball. Um, it, it just seemed to die as the game went. From from what I see, I didn't go, so I can't give a, a full assessment of. Of what happened i'm only going off the word of my dad pretty much and and what i've seen on social media but as we know we don't really uh, you can't really take social media as your um, answer for the there and then but there are some sort of takeaways that we can take from it we'll start negatives to try and end it on a bit more of a positive note but i guess matt macy should be doing better um, probably second and third goal but for the People saying that he shouldn't play again for Luton, that he's, he's ruined his chance or whatever. Come on, surely, surely we've learned as Luton fans that one bad game or, or one showing does not does not justify anything. It doesn't tell the whole story. I think.
3: I mean, I I was there, and I think the way I assessed it at the time, the third. But the second goal or third goal, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was the third goal, and um, the mistake. I, I was disappointed. Everyone was disappointed with it. Like obviously Macy's going to be disappointed with it as well. But it's like I can understand why fans are worried, but at the same time, it's not the end of the world. Like if you know, as you were saying, you we can't take social media as like a, a proper way to assess a game and if we were to do that it would be we're getting relegated with no points or you know no points from now on like because we've lost to a league two side in the in the league cup in the first round like so it's yeah social media has got a bit dramatic about it as usual but and yeah at, at the time it seemed like a you know something that a, a championship keeper just shouldn't be doing but at the same time everyone makes mistakes and he's going to learn from it, hopefully. Obviously, there's not, I guess, so much to learn from it because it was just a bit of a, you know, just a, just a mistake. Everyone makes mistakes. and But I think from the rest of the game, I will say that I didn't find that he commanded his box very well. And it was kind of like a we didn't know if a long ball going in or, or a corner going in or something, if he was going to come and collect it or not. And you'd expect a, a keeper of his size to sort of, have confidence in going and collecting the ball no matter what. Cause, you know, he's gonna get there. And but at the same time, he's gotta grow into it as well. And I think this kind of shows why Horvath has got the the nod as the you know starting goalkeeper, but at the same time, there's no reason why Macy can't grow into it. It's not the end of the world, it's not the end of his career. He's twenty six years old, I'm pretty sure. It's you know, there are worse things that could happen, and it's just unfortunate that it happened at a time where people believe that, you know, we have a right to win and have a right to, you know, beat a League Two side, which, you know, we don't, and we didn't, and we didn't beat them. They, they fought, and they, they won it. So, yeah, it was just a, a silly little mistake, and I feel sorry for him as well, because he's going to be dwelling on it as well. Hopefully not too much, but, I you know, I'm, there's that worry that he might be feeling a little less confident going into another game. Um, yeah i hope it's not the case and i hope he just puts it behind him and can carry on and show us that he's a good goalkeeper
4: yeah because from from what we gathered from hips fans before we signed, he signed he did make mistakes but he's managed to to play a lot of regular football meaning that he's he's put those mistakes behind him he's he's managed to regroup and, and go one better again and, and managed to well as i say play a lot of football which, which sort of goes on to suggest that he he's learned by these mistakes and he's continuing to grow as you say he's still relatively young for a goalkeeper as well it's just another learning curve for him I'm sure going on to, to sort of the game on the whole Dylan I guess with so many changes sometimes it's, it's difficult to, to get the same tempo to, to recapture what we do so well at this football club but at the same time we feel this year that we've got this really, really competitive squad. You've got so many players pushing for regular inclusion. It seemed an opportunity missed by some. Um, I think that's probably one way to sum it up.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, like Stephen said, look, it's it's not the end of the world. It's, it's not the end of these guys' careers or, or anything silly like that. And there shouldn't be an overreaction. But I think NJ was actually quite measured and he said, Look, he's, he's, we've got a massive squad. There's huge competition for places, uh, and when people get opportunities, they have to take them. And it, it doesn't help their case when you know they come in for a cup game and and play play badly. Um, you know, not horrendous, but but don't really impact the game and and be good enough out of possession, which is what he said. So you know, it's not the end of, of anything, but it just it doesn't help some of them. For example, you know, Macy now is competing for the number one jersey. It's not the end of the world that he made an error, but it doesn't help in terms of competing with Horvath for him personally. Um, and, you know, the same goes for for Carlos. And, and obviously, Carlos was, was fine last night, I think. and But, you know, but especially like you say there, you know, when you're playing Henry Lansbury as a central centre-back, you've got Pereira and Mendes Gomez as wing-backs. There's going to be, you know, Louis Watson coming in for his first game it's going to be disjointed. It's going to be disjointed. It's not going to be as fluent as, as we normally are. But, as NJ as said, you've got to do the basics properly. And obviously, we didn't do that, and and that doesn't help some of these guys in terms of getting them in that starting eleven for a championship game. Because if they didn't do it last night, then or two, sorry, two nights ago when uh, when the pod gets put out, um, then you know, will they do it in a championship game? Can you trust them to do that? And that, that's a question for the coaches.
4: No, you mentioned it there, Henry Lansbury as a centre back, something that I don't think many of us really. Um, could have guessed prior to the game, even when the team sheet came out. I don't think many would have guessed that there'd be Lansbury going into that central role within the uh, three centre backs. But I don't know. I don't know. I kind of liked it, um, and from what I've seen as well, I know it's it's not something that that um, may be something going forward. But in terms of his uh, distribution, in terms of the way he reads the game, uh, so I, I didn't mind that. I didn't. Mind, it wasn't the worst thing in the world.
0: I think sometimes as well, what we've actually been doing this season that's slightly different in our build-up shape is like pushing that central centre-back just slightly higher and playing it almost like a like a holding midfielder just for the build-up. Um, nothing, for nothing else, just to try and stretch the teams a little bit because if you play with like a flat three, then that is a little bit flat. But if you push one forward, that like creates two lines and, and you can break it a little bit more. It's a bit more risky, so I think it fit that. But yeah, no, we, we, I assume we won't be seeing Lansbury there. Um in you know, the championship anytime soon, because um, we've definitely got enough options in there as it is. So, but yeah, again, I think it, that kind of sums up the, how the disjointedness, like with the ball, that's fantastic. But obviously, Lansbury is at the centre half, um, out of possession. And I think we all assumed it'd be a diamond, but then you've got to play Pereira and Mendes Gomez as fullbacks, which is a bit nuts to think about. So, um, but yeah, I think that kind of sums up the disjointedness when you're playing Lansbury as a. As a mid, in the middle of that back of a, of a back three.
3: I think, like, I'll say it, it was a bit disappointing to see Pereira and Mendes Gomez as wing-backs. Um, Lansbury, I guess it was like a fun little experiment, and it didn't go too bad, but I'd say if Osho started, we may not have conceded the goal so easily. But, um, yeah, I, I think it was a bit disappointing to see them as, as uh, wing-backs, just because they... I'd I'd love to see them more in in attacking in an attacking position like um to get the best out of them and see the best of them but then Pereira wasn't that bad like he played a very decent game Mendez Gomez had that brilliant goal so yeah um wasn't the worst thing in the world just you know disappointed that we couldn't see them at their you know at,
4: in their natural positions and Steve Stephen and the Oak Road has seen some long-range stunners in the past and I think this is one that slots right into that category with Mendes Gomez's strike, um, aided slightly by the the glove that Joe Day got in, got to it, pushing it even more into the top corner. But what a strike! Uh, not anyone really expected that. I don't think Mendes Gomez really expected that he's right but right foot would have done that, um, but it did. And what a goal! Um, we've seen it a couple of times. I think last preseason as well, he we scored an absolute rocket. Um, He he likes scoring goals against Newport, I've gathered. Yeah,
3: it was a brilliant goal. And, I mean, if we're talking about goals um, seen at the Oak Road, I mean, Luke Guttridge v. Newport a couple of years ago, I'd say that was even better. (laughs) Not to to rain on Mendes Gomez, afraid, but, you know, that was a hell of a lot better. Um, But, yeah. Yeah, I just hope that this can... Should his injury not be so bad, and hopefully we can see him... Start in the championship, or at least get more minutes in the championship, because it, I think he
4: deserves it. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll sort of bring Mendes Gomez into this—a little quartet that we've mentioned a fair few times in in Dion Pereira, Mendes Gomez, Admiral Musque, and Elliot Thorpe about what the next step might be. We, we've sort of changed our minds, ummed and Denard about it, the, quite a fair bit. But do you think that that's given us more definitive answers about? what the immediate future could be for those four. Um do you think, you know, the likes of, of Admiral Muskway and, and Elliot Fort could be benefited in terms of their, their progression at Luton by by loans away. Um again, we've got that, that large squad that obviously does need trimming. Do you think Nathan Jones has found a few more answers in that? I just wanna say a quick word on Muskway. I think as
3: much as he he looks like he could be a good player, he needs time away from Lewin because, like, on loan, and just because I don't think he's ready for the first team at all. He's got he's got some good qualities about him, but I'd say from last night, from even Hitchin, like he just there's just it doesn't seem like he's championship ready yet at all. And I think if we put time into him, we'll get a good player out of him. But I. From, from what I've seen in pre-season and from last night, I don't think he's championship-ready.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I, think for, I I think a part of the game as well yesterday would have been to put some players in the window, in the shot window, sorry, and, and say to clubs, yeah, he's ready. Like Elliot Thorpe, you know, Pereira, obviously, he's got good, good minutes behind him, so you don't really need to do that. Um, but like someone like Elliot Thorpe, who obviously came on at half-time, hasn't got loads of minutes behind him. He played against Cambridge in the Cup last year. Um, but there isn't loads on him. Um, but yeah, I think with musque as well, you know as much as it pains me to say it, and we've said it a couple of times now is you know he, he could just do it some time away and, and to go and play every single game every single week and, and just get firing again and then we'll get a good championship player out of him. But, um, but yeah, you know I think with Pereira, I don't feel like we're the right place for him to really push his career forwards, um, because the minute we're playing a system that doesn't suit him, um, he's on the fringe of the squad and what the guy needs is minutes he needs minutes, minutes, minutes um, and maybe our, our, maybe Luton isn't the right place for him to do that he's going to be one hell of a player but he just needs to go somewhere else and get minutes um, and Carlos is, is the most difficult one because he's probably the most championship ready out of all of them from what I saw especially against Chelsea last year um, but so do you want to push out a player who's we feel is probably the closest to being championship ready or keep them in the squad? He'll want minutes. We will, might want to keep him. It's a really tricky one. It's a bit like Kyoso last year. Um, we wanted to keep him, obviously, but he wanted minutes. So, yeah, it's a difficult one. I think I think a few of them, it's a, becoming a bit clearer. But with someone like Carlos, it's it's still very blurry, I think.
3: I think from what I saw last night yes. with Thorpe as well, like he he actually played really well because like, he was thrown in at the, uh, the right wing-back position, uh, kind of slotted around when players were out of position as well. And... He looked brilliant from what I saw. Like he was, you know, running down right in front of me down the um, wing towards the uh, Kenny, and his balls into the box. I don't think he put a bad ball into the box. It was just unfortunate that it wasn't. It was at times where either Carlton Morris or Cameron Jerome wasn't in the box because they were. They were some brilliant balls, and I wouldn't. I didn't expect that from him because I'd, I'd say he's more of a you know central midfielder. Uh, I think that's where his natural position is and um yeah, he looked <laughs> he looked he looked brilliant and yeah, and he he was right up for it as well, like I could see that he wanted to win the game, he wanted to be on the pitch and um, which I thought was brilliant, and I reckon we've got a player there, but at the same time,
4: like it could be best for him to get some minutes out on loan. the brief mention that. There- Uh, Stephen, as you were there last night about Louis Watson, um, given man of the match, a a player that um, I guess another one that is difficult to assess where he's really at had sort of limited minutes in a professional setting, but again, an exciting one, as I said one man of the match on the night from what I heard as well, good reviews from him so far, a player that technically very good a player that that probably needs to learn um, the not the dark arts, but the off the ball um, kind of attributes that, that Nathan Jones desires in a player. Do you think he's somebody that that's better um, will be better equipped and better suited to staying at Luton beyond this this transfer window and, and staying closer to the first team, or you know, could there be a, a low move in store for him? It's a tough one
3: because I think like I think what we probably wanted from Musque staying and and you know. Arsbenders Gomez staying last season and not going out alone was to get him ready for the first team squad by being around the first team squad and but you know it seems as if they might not be so close as what we thought they should be and and yeah but uh, Watson was brilliant as well on the ball he looked brilliant he looked comfortable he didn't look worried at all like he, he knew what he was doing and and he thoroughly deserved man of the match Um, And I think, you know, I think us as fans, we always want to see our own players play. So I'd say I'd want to see him out on loan. But I'd say, you know, with all of these that we've spoken about, the club knows best, really. And if they get it wrong, they might admit it. And yeah, but I'd say I'd want to see him out on loan, but I'm not a. coach, so I wouldn't know what's best for him really, but I'd, I'd love to see him out on loan and get him minutes, you know, League 2
0: maybe. And...
4: Anyone want to say anything else on Newport or can we move swiftly on?
0: No, nah, let's just move on, honestly. I think, I think we've talked about well it
4: Championship football's back at Kenworth Road on Saturday with Preston visiting and we promised, we promised Dylan that, that things will get better in this section because we'll speak about what we can expect, it was, of course, a 4-0 victory last time we hosted Preston at Kenilworth Road last season. It was only four or five months ago. So, yeah, relatively fresh in the memory. Um, Preston, similar kind of squad. Uh, of course, players like Cameron Archer and, and Seth van der burgh have, have gone back to their parent clubs and have they've recruited well from what I've heard and from what the, the early signs suggest. Um, Troy Parrott being sort of one of the more eye-catching ones. A so good evening last night in the cup. Uh, I think Huddersfield at the moment are making whoever our next opposition is look good at the moment. They've done it with Burnley, made them look like absolute world beaters. Done it again yesterday with, with Preston. So uh yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that materialises. But in the league, they've drawn nil-nil twice. Uh Ryan Lowe, we've spoken about the, the good job he's done so far on on the podcast before, um, so again it's going to be a competitive match. I don't think we can quite expect the, the kind of whitewash we gave them for, for, uh, last time around. Sorry, but at the same time, it's a game that that we'll be viewing as winnable.
0: Yeah, um, and Preston, as you said, have recruited well. They're a bit of a weird team at the minute because. You know, don't be fooled by the two nil-nils. Um, like, the front two they've got of Reese and, and Parrot is you know, a 30-goal, 30 35-goal championship front two, genuinely. Um, like Excellent, excellent players, both of them. And they've got people like Ben Whiteman, who's fantastic, and, and Alan Brown experienced at this level. Daniel, uh, Daniel Johnson, very good. But then there are also some very, very obvious flaws in that team as well. Um, you know, for me, I think Liam Lindsay and and Jordan Story, two two centre halves, are are probably weak points for them. Um, you know, they just lack a bit of mobility. Um, I remember Story and and Lindsay were the ones who played when we when we played them at home um, during COVID at Christmas, um, when when it was kind of semi behind closed doors. I think we had a thousand in or two thousand in or something, and Colin scored a hat trick, and and you know Story, I remember that day was very poor. Um, but they're a very good team and I wouldn't be it's a bit weird because obviously they've drawn the line they kept two clean sheets so you'd think oh the defence are good and they can't score but actually I think it's the other way around with them I think they actually can score loads of goals with that front two and there's stuff that we can exploit which we did last season um, but they're a good team well coached Ryan Lowe is a really really good coach really good manager um, big big fan of him um, and they've also got quality as well on the bench we play for people at like Ali McCann and, and Alvaro Fernandez who's on loan um, very good players. So they'll be dangerous. They'll be a really good side. But again, you know, we went to Burnley, got 0 0 and played really, really well. We've beaten plenty of good teams. So we, we can beat anyone. Um, and we beat them last year with Brie, Kyoso and Potts in the back three, which was just brilliant. So um, we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be a tough game. Like every game is tough, but um, every game is winnable at the same time.
4: Yeah, as you say, I think they'll be eager to avoid a similar situation to last season. I think, um, if I remember it rightly, they issued refunds after our game, which I think was a little bit um, patronising to, to the fact that we completely outplayed them. It wasn't, you know, I don't think it justifies them having a, a refund, but I guess that's modern football these days. Um, as I said, two nil-nil draws to start the season, and, and Dylan doesn't think that's a reflection of, of what they're about. I, I guess that can be said. Um in terms of defence, I think last season looked to be an issue for Preston. They've recruited wing-backs, um, but again, that, that seems to be a priority area, something that they've addressed so far, That's something I, th- I believe they're still trying to to add sufficient backup. But as we say, a good side. Um, typically, they've done quite well at their place and we've done quite well at our place. So it'll be interesting to see if it follows a similar format as we said Troy Parrot uh, guess he's you know take a lot of confidence from from midweek against Huddersfield um opening his account but yet to open his championship account um done a very very good spell last season with, with MK um sort of nearer the end of the season became more of a talisman than, than twine was bar the the four goals he scored at the the last day of the season but at the same time, there are flaws, as Dylan says. So, yeah, as we say, it's going to be a very, very interesting game. Hopefully one where we can score our first championship goal in front of Kenworth Road uh, of the season. Still big players to get off the mark in Adebayo, Morris, Cornick, everyone bar Dan Potts, which is very, very weird to say out loud. But, as yeah, I, I guess the, the other thing with, with Preston... Um, what, what we've seen is that, you know, that they seem to be a team under Ryan Lowe that, that are building towards something. Um, I guess their fan base would be quite confident that they can at least challenge for, for playoffs this season. Good start in terms of, the, the, we said it before in terms of the XG tables, especially last game against um, Hull, I think it was. Uh, they create a lot of opportunities, played some very good football. They'll be hoping that that sort of translates into this game, and again confidence from that Huddersfield game, it should be a good test for us. But at the same time, we've we've got all these new talents. Luke Freeman coming in, can carve an opportunity out of nowhere. Jordan Clark playing as as promising as he will, uh, as he has been, sorry. Um, One question I'll ask you, Dylan, is that we've sort of seen two different styles so far. Um, We dominated the ball against uh, Birmingham, played through the thirds more than we've seen in recent memory. Uh, Burnley, we, we went a little bit more direct. Can you see a mixture of both coming into this game? Do you think we'll, we'll still look to to play through the thirds like we did against Birmingham, but we'll also try and vary it a little bit more with, with trying to, as you say, expose those two defenders that, that you mentioned
0: before? Yeah, we'll definitely try to vary it. Um, I, I guess with Burnley, you know, they had so much possession. Uh, you know, we got the ball, we wanted to get it forwards quickly, and I think we want to do the same because um, I think they lack a little bit of mobility in the back line. So, can we get the ball forwards early into Morris and Adebayo and whoever's playing or, or um or whoever's playing in that front two um the Cornick obviously um but yeah you know i think i think it's about recognizing which moments it'll kind of be a hybrid and it'll be about recognizing which moments we need to be patient and build like for example like against Birmingham and like against Huddersfield at home last year in the playoffs and those moments again where actually let's just get the ball forwards early and hit them hard and hit them early and i think we'll do a bit of that um, a fair bit of that on on Saturday, given the profile of their back three, I think we'll, we'll potentially start Morris. I think Morris will start with Elijah, um, just to provide a little bit more of that real physical threat. Um, but Morris is also someone who's really good dropping into feet, and probably better than Cornick receiving into his feet. Um, so yeah, you know. But then when you have players like Freeman and and Clark, you you want to get the ball into their feet. You want to play through the thirds and get them in goal scoring and positions where they can affect the game in the final third and create chances. So it's about a balance and, and recognising the right moment to do one thing and the right moment to do the other.
4: I guess the last thing to do here is score predictions. And, you know, I'm the, the pessimist usually, and I'm, I'm going to go for something a bit more optimistic today, which should uh, raise the levels of optimism throughout this chat. Stephen, I'll come to you first, mate.
3: Oh, um. I'm going to say
4: 2-1 us. Dylan, what about you? Yeah, I was going to say exactly the same. Good to hear. So I think it was 3-0 the James Collins hat-trick the, the season before last. 4-0 the timeout. So so it's got to be 5. got to be 5. On oh, a serious note, I'll bring us back down to earth. I'm, I'm going 2-0. I can see another strong performance. Um, our first three points of the championship season, I, I do hope. But yeah, as you say, it's going to be a tough test. Well, thank you both for coming on this evening ahead of Saturday's clash back at Kenilworth Road as we look to record our first three points of the season, look to score our first home goal or goals of the season as well. We are once again in action on Tuesday when we play Cal Naismith's Bristol City. We go over to uh, the South West one of three trips in, in August I think I'm right in saying, I think we've got um, Swansea to play and then uh, Cardiff to play as well this month so it's going to be a free adventures into the southwest again um, something that, that hopefully we can pick up rewards from and also make sure to keep up to date with us on all socials, Twitter we are at Oak Road Hatter Instagram, we are Oak Road Hatter Pod and we're now on Facebook too under the name of Oak Road Hatter But until then, it's goodbye from us.
1: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.